the benefits and pitfalls to various aspects of the light spectrum is what we're talking about on the Lotox Live podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today's show 323, and we are talking about how the light spectrum affects us for better or worse with a guy who knows <laughs> a shed ton on the subject, Daniel Evert. Uh, he made it his mission to understand it better when he happened upon some science that dramatically changed his health for the better in starting to look at blue light blocking uh, and then ended up deciding to make it his life's work to educate on the subject, to support people with products that help. Uh, you might have heard us talk about Block Blue Light uh, the business uh, several times. Daniel is the owner. And while I have shared information about the amazing Sweet Dreams light bulbs that I adore and the reading light that you can take traveling and the glasses and all the things, uh, I, I genuinely just didn't realize how much Daniel knew about the light spectrum until we were having a chat on email. I'm like, Daniel, we need to do a show on this uh, because this information is awesome and I know a lot of people are confused, have questions, and also just want to feel like you're not being sold on needing to buy a whole bunch of stuff when often you don't. And it's about being a bit more strategic about your lifestyle, about where you live, about how much uh, incidental light exposure you are experiencing and setting up a plan that works for you and your home or workplace. And actually in the very uh, initial stages of this show, he talks about convincing uh, an old boss of him before he went out on his own and, and started his uh, block blue light business, uh, convincing them to change the lighting and measuring the effects of the colleagues in the office in terms of things like headaches, sleep patterns, and it was mind-blowing. And I actually asked him to unpack how he actually convinced the boss to do the experiment because I know a lot of you guys out there talk about, oh, you know, I, I really don't like the synthetic air fresheners in the bathrooms at work. How do I have a conversation? And we've created a PDF, by the way, when it comes to phthalates and fragrances that you can share with your work, workplace um, relevant person or maybe the school, maybe the daycare center, uh, which you all have a ton of free resources anytime you like, lotoxlife.com. And then you look at the explore tab and it's the free downloads and resources resources that you'll see towards the bottom of that uh, tab. And uh, you'll have old webinars that I've done on a variety of subjects and also downloadable PDFs that help you have those conversations. But we haven't done one on blue light blocking and we won't need to because Daniel walks you through what to do on today's show. We talk about so many aspects of uh, blue light blocking, as well as when we don't want to be blocking uh, blue light. We talk about green, orange, red, uh, yellow, and we also talk about 
uh, gosh, just so many things. The apps that are bandied about, like, do they work? Uh, what what is useful to incorporate? What isn't? Uh, light bulb types uh, and what we want to stay away from. So many details. Do we have to wear the orange glasses? Uh, and by the end of the show, you will have a bit of an action plan. And I'm just going to let you know that in a couple of weeks time, if you can wait that long, we actually have a special coming up for you guys uh, from the Block Blue Light store. Uh, Daniel is supporting the podcast next month. Uh, so if you can hold out, it's actually a great offer and internationally able to be shipped. Uh, so this one's for our whole listener community. Uh, so, But if you're impatient, I get it. We have all the details on the products that we talk about on the show, as well as the blogs that he mentions they've written on certain things that we talk about on the show if you want to nerd out and go deeper. So I'm going to hook into that conversation in a minute. You may want a notepad and pen for this one. Uh, I, I certainly was taking notes uh, about a couple of new things that I, I learned, and it, it, it's really, really fantastically packed with good stuff. So we can't put on a weekly show without amazing sponsors. And the two sponsors I would love to highlight are our uh, sponsor for the month, BioFirst Official. And uh, BioFirst are a local, I say BioFirst Official because that's what they're called on Instagram if you want to follow them. They're a local Australian family business and really wonderful at what they do. They specialize in high-performance uh, natural products to support immunity and skin health. Often those two things go hand in hand. They have brilliant products like the Manuka uh, defense syrups. Uh, they have children's products for specifically using in a younger age group as well as for adults. And then for the skin, they have the Manuka skin saver, the salve and a new product, which is the skin rescue, ultra sensitive skin rescue lotion. So this is one that if you feel like you've not been able to use anything because your skin or your child's skin is that sensitive, and maybe you're prone to eczema, rosacea, or getting allergy, uh, allergic reactions, hives, that kind of a thing, you, you, you have that really, really sensitive skin, this is a product you want to try. And this month, you have 25% off if you buy one product, and your code is LTL25 on the BioFirst official uh, website. Or if you buy two or more, LTL40 is your code. And this works for Australian and American listeners. And we have all of the links in our show notes. So head to lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast and make the most of this offer. We've got all the details there, ways that you can follow them on socials, uh, beautiful brand, really high performance products. And because We've had so many positive uh, mentions from you guys on socials about trying the products. Uh, I, I said, you guys are very popular. If you ever want to do an offer, I think it'd go well. And when they were bringing this one out, it was a no-brainer. So I hope you enjoy this new product. Those of you in a community who do have that sensitive skin or are dealing with eczema or rosacea, uh, it's an absolute cracker of a product. And speaking to rosacea, in fact, I loved this review on their website that I, I brought up because I wanted to see what people were saying. I don't have experience with rosacea personally, so I wanted to see what 
that community was saying about the product. And uh, this lovely reviewer says, I'm absolutely loving your product. I've been using it on my face at night and notice such a drastic reduction of my redness when I wake up in the morning with my rosacea. I love this product. I was a little worried at first at how my skin would go and if it would help, uh, and I totally get that because if you've tried everything, you think, oh, yeah, something else that says it's going to save me. But she says it's such a hydrating product that I can't wait to use it at night. Uh, So it's been a real comfort to her and she says a big well done. Uh, So a huge congrats for creating this skin rescue lotion because I know it's needed out there and I hope you enjoy trying it. We, of course, have our major sponsor, Oz Climate, as well. Uh, Maybe it's time to invest in a dehumidifier or an air filter. The Winix air filter range is brilliant. And I've been asked a lot about the pretty looking filters that uh, these new companies seem to be popping up, Instagram ads and Facebook ads, uh, and they look really nice in a living room setting. So they're really going for that aesthetic aspect because often in the past or many of the filter, air filter options are quite clunky, big, ugly units. Uh, and I get that, you know, you want something that fits in with the aesthetic of your home, um, rather than just being functional and a bit ugly. Uh, but often they're only three stage filters. Uh, and while HEPA filtration is great to look out for as a key word, when you're shopping around for a filter, you want to make sure you're getting a minimum of four stage filtration, uh, and you, you, know, you, ideally, if you have people with dust mite allergies or if you have pets, you might want to look at one of the five-stage filters. Now, the little compact four-stage filter, uh, we have that in our bedrooms. It is actually quite a cute little unit, so definitely fine with uh, the aesthetic, and uh, is a four-stage, as I said. So you're still getting a super powerful filter, but it does look good. And it's not too expensive. With the discount, it's just over 300 Australian dollars. So my advice would be to go for four-stage minimum, five-stage if you have sensitivities, if you live in a highly urban area, or if you have pets and maybe people with allergies in the home, uh, then you'd want to be going for that five-stage filter. They're great-looking units. They're relatively compact. You could tuck one behind a couch if you wanted to. No problems at all, even their biggest ones. And uh, we have been loving the pet filter. I have to say the five-stage filter with the designated pet option is brilliant when you have a golden retriever and it is summertime and they are shedding like there's no tomorrow. I'm amazed that Buddy still has any hair at all, frankly. Uh, But he does (laughs) because there just seems to be so much to go around. Uh, so shout out to anyone with long haired animals out there. I, I feel you right now. Um, if you're in summer Australia, so I've done enough talking. This show's fantastic. Grab your notepad and pen, or just take a walk in nature and learn about the light spectrum and what you can do to harness the power of the good aspects of it while blocking out the more negative aspects that can impact our health in not so great ways. Uh, and arming yourself with a few tools and products that are going to help you get that right in your own daily life. Enjoy the show. Hello, Daniel. How are you doing? 
Hey Alex, uh, doing well thanks. Um, pleasure to come on and uh, talk thing, all things blue light. I know, we've been talking about your products on and off on the podcast and in our e-courses for gosh over a decade now, but uh, we have never actually face-to-faced so it's super lovely to chat <laughs> to you. Um, I want to just start and dive right in and ask you how you became curious about blue light blocking as as a topic was it a health thing how did it sort of come up for you yeah so for me it it started a long time ago so i think was sort of started getting curious around this around eight years ago um certainly before blue light was even discussed or was really even a thing so i think when i was starting to look at this i think we hit like the iphone 2 or something like that so there wasn't all the digital devices there wasn't all the led lights in our environment but um for me it started to have an impact on me just moved over to Australia was just starting my um, career so I wanted the dream was to kind of climb the corporate ladder so um, so just started working in an office environment under fluorescent lighting on screens a lot during the day um, and within the space of a couple of months it had started to have quite severe impacts on my health um, so I got quite severe migraine attacks during the day and severe insomnia at night and I kind of did what most people would do as I went to my GP and was like, hey, I'm having problems with like sleeping and I'm having migraines, like what's going on? Like I do all the things right for health, like I eat well and I exercise a lot. Like, And so they just did what they're kind of designed to do is take a bit of a Band-Aid approach on this uh, situation. And I kind of went through a whole cocktail of different prescription drugs from sleeping pills to off labels sort of antipsychotics to antidepressants like all these just oh my gosh kind of just like oh this might like knock you out sort of thing and this might help cure the and but all it did is just made me feel literally drugged out a lot during the day and just didn't really help and so we got to the point where I was like there's got to be you know there's got to be something to this and in my job so I was actually starting in IT that was that was, that was the career I had chosen so and in my day job, a lot of what I was doing is like analyzing and designing systems, right? And using a lot of analytical thinking, how to diagnose problems in IT systems or create new ones. So I was sort of like, well, can I take that kind of thinking and apply it to the human system and work out what's going on here? Because I was fine and now I'm not. Like something's mm. changed. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, it kind of led me down a path of going, well, going to the doctors and using prescription drugs is not really coming to the... To finding out what the root cause was to find the problem so well that's it uh, isn't it like those yeah. can be really helpful and for a small minority of people are essential but for a great majority of people who have an environmental root cause that hasn't been unlocked yet it could potentially also be unnecessary which is why it's important to look at the big picture that's right and i don't think you can look at the big picture in a 10 minute appointment with your doctor they've only got 10 minutes to literally unfortunately go, not yeah yeah that system doesn't allow for it right and um but you know i um, my i don't just like accept those sort of things i was like no i need to understand this i need to like it's affecting my ability to perform in my job and just it's affecting my whole life i need to work out what's going on here and mm. I, i'm with then, you daniel i just i have yeah. to say I remember when I was an account executive 
and an area manager visiting a whole bunch of accounts. I was flitting in and out of department stores and doing training sessions, but it, I was never stagnant in a, a room full of blue light all the time. And my job changed and I all of a sudden started to feel allergic to it. And it coincided with the time when I had to sit in front of a computer screen the entire day under fluorescent light. And I just wonder how many people out there are feeling like that and don't even realize. Nah, nah. And it's quite quite interesting if we actually, which we'll go back to that, but if we even just fast forward to where I was like three years ago, whilst I was still doing this um, blue light thing is I was working in a company and I knew all about blue light by then. I've got all the glasses and stuff, but they modern building all this big strip LED lighting, bright blue light, uh, white light, sorry. And everyone in the um, building was like complaining of headache. I'm like telling them, um, like, hey, like, you, <laughs> come on. Like, and then so I went to HR and actually got them to agree that we'd do an experiment. We would turn all those lights off. And there's because there's huge big windows, a big modern building. I said, let's lift all the blinds up, let all the natural light in. And we'll do it for two weeks and we'll take a survey and see with them what, what people want to do. And those lights never came back on by the time I left that place. And like everyone was like, oh, holy, sh-. I didn't understand. Like, I just got goosebumps. Some- That's so That's good. A- That's a mate. Can- okay, no, wait. You need to stop talking <laughs> now because I need to ask you something. Right. How did you convince them? Like, did you show them data? Because a lot of low toxes out there know say mold is bad in the office environment or blue light's bad or they're trying to convince their partner to not get strip LED lights all through the kitchen and the house or whatever it is. But a lot of people struggle with the convincing part to take action by other people who either weren't aware or don't care. So what did you actually do? Can we break that down a little bit? Well, I was fortunate enough that at this point in my career, I was working for a more smaller run business who was actually very forward thinking and very much on like looking after their stuff, health and wellness. They even We even had like a, each individual employee had like a thousand dollars a year to spend on wellness. Like we had a gym in our office. We had all this. So they, it wasn't like a hard, too much of a hard sell that you'd be going say to some big HR department in a corporate, but I was kind of that weird guy that like had orange screens and wore these glasses, <laughs> day. and like <laughs> so you were already the woo-woo dude. And, and was, what and is like, up with him? And yeah, like like obviously I had we had our business, my business, which was more of a side hustle at that point in time. And like I'm very very science focused, right? So yeah, like I I went to them and said, hey, like this is what I'm doing. Like this was the impact it had on me, and I understand it, and I can see everyone around me. Is starting to, I can see the signs and symptoms. They don't understand it, that that's having the effect, but I can see it. And I said, like, can can we run the experiment? And they were all for it. They're like, yeah, well, because I, I wasn't like saying I want them to shut it off, don't turn them back on. That's why I thought well, if I could just say, put a, a time period on, say, like two weeks, you know, and then if it does nothing, we'll just go back and like, and just take a survey because they're all the, because they're constantly, there was a whole sort of department that was kind of really looking at, the employees and their ability to be healthy in the workplace so I was like well here's a perfect opportunity to look at like how the lighting in your workplace is actually infecting your employees because if they're being affected they're not going to be as productive and not going to be able to so so yeah they were all for it and everyone was quite interesting in the in the post survey because everyone was like oh my I my eyes don't feel like sore and drained and tired at the end of the day I just assumed a lot of people just assumed that was just what happens from working hard during the day. Like it's not 
the the link between the light they were being exposed to and the impact it was having on them it was it, that was this just unraveled it for them and we're like wow i didn't understand so um yeah that was a win that was pretty much and that's when i actually exited that um that job to do this full time but i kind of left with my legacy that those lights would yeah. stay off sort of thing <laughs> and it's i mean what boss out there wouldn't want their employees to be more productive uh, and to feel better at work. So to not have headaches during the day or get a foggy brain uh, in the afternoon as their eyes get tired from all the blue light, like the benefits are huge in terms of if you just think purely financial gain for a business, productivity, uh, ROI, huge. Uh, so that's just something that anyone who's out there in any workplace thinking, oh my gosh, I know these blue lights are exhausting everybody, but I can't do anything about it. Well, you can. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll actually share a couple of studies in the show notes that you guys can use to say, look, this is what research is showing us about blue light and its effects so that that way you can take that to your boss and hopefully have the same impact Daniel did. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I think I think we'll see like as we move as it's, be, it's becoming a more awareness. And certainly I've been doing this now for eight years, and I've seen the last two to three years where there is a growing awareness, and I do see it coming down into the workplace as well. Um, it's just one of those things. I think eventually it will go full cycle where eventually we'll see that be like, okay, there it is, we are catching on. And we are even seeing signs of it in Australia. We had um, like a big, big four accounting firm reach out to us and they wanted to create a area with our lighting that they would just put people that were affected by that. So, you know, we've, we've been doing consulting with their electricians and stuff. And I said, well, this, you know, and it wasn't even us. That's them coming to us and saying, hey, we know you've got this type of lighting. We've got three or four employees in this area that actually are severely impacted by light and we're looking to create not the whole area but a area for them to work so yeah so it's it's quite awesome to see from where where we were eight years ago when I was just this crazy dude selling like ugly safety glasses online and I know and, it and... sucks to be a pioneer doesn't it you sound <laughs> for most of your journey like an absolute crackpot and then right towards the end when things like there's some traction it's like oh this is what you were talking about this whole time yeah yeah mm. oh that's such a good story I love that and so let's talk about some of the other health effects of uh exposure to blue light um We've talked about your personal story and the migraines and the headaches, but there's and the insomnia actually as well. Um, but there's a few more things out there that people might want to be aware of. Hormones beyond melatonin, for example. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there, there, there's it's it kind of expands what far and wide in terms of its biological impacts on us, and um, you can kind of break it down because. Ultimately, blue light isn't bad for us, um, mm. and that's kind of a misconception. People. That's what I wanted to ask you because everyone likes to black and white things, right? So, yeah. oh, okay, blue light bad, have yeah. to get rid of it all. But that's yeah. not true. No. So yeah, and that's what some people like. Okay, I've heard it's bad. I want to get rid of it all out of my life. I don't want it. But it's actually it's actually really really important for for our health. Um, but you've got to look at how we get exposed to blue light in nature. So. Um, we get blue light from the sun, lots of it out there. That's kind of one of the arguments around like the people that kind of 
think that it's that there's not nothing there. They go, oh, you know, there's blue light everywhere, so it can't be bad for you. But but you've got to apply context to it. It's about the type of blue light you're getting and the type of day you're getting it. So from the sun, we get full spectrum of light. That means it's balanced with every other color of the rainbow, and it's got infrared and it's got UV in it. So that type of light, it's all balanced. Um, blue light coming into the eyes during the day and on the skin, it will initiate a response to produce cortisol and adrenaline in the right levels to keep you awake and alert. So that's very important. Um, if you didn't get blue light exposure during the day, you'd feel quite tired and sleepy. So it's regulating, heavily regulating your energy levels. Um, the other two things that also regulates is serotonin and dopamine. So neurotransmitters heavily responsible for mood regulation as well. A lot of people that don't get exposure to sufficient amounts of light during the day will suffer a thing called SAD or seasonal affective disorder. Um, one of the only depressive disorders that's 100% governed through light. So mm. um, I have a friend who gets it and, um, and uh, sort of simulating really good light exposure in dark US East Coast winters changed his life once he realized that's what it was. Yep. And mm. we're starting to see now is, you know, it's called seasonal affective disorder, but we're starting to see it not just seasonally in winter, mm. but people now, because no one's going outside, we're spending yeah. 90% of our time indoors under artificially lit um, environments, which we'll talk about the difference around that kind of exposure outdoors and the, the serotonin, dopamine and the cortisol. So all your mood and energy and everything's regulated properly. You come in, you come indoors. So during the daytime, we're under fluorescent LED lighting, um, these LED backlit devices such as screens, phones, just pretty much anything that produces an artificial light source now is, is LED. And the, the problem with that is it has just got a very narrow bandwidth of blue light, very, very high amount, and it doesn't really have, well, it doesn't have any reds, a little bit of yellow and oranges, but it's very depleted in the, um, the long frequencies that are more um, restorative and healing. You've got blue light down the other end of the spectrum, which is a short wavelength, which kind of makes it in isolation. It's kind of causing oxidative damage and stress to to the cells. So in nature, when it's balanced, it's like blue light is causing cellular damage and breakdown, but red light's doing the opposite. So it's kind of like nature's got the antidote, right? It's balanced. It doesn't have a net effect of damage. You come indoors, you strip out the beneficial wavelengths, you just leave... Um, high energy oxidative wavelengths well then it causes um essentially it starts to cause oxidative stress particularly in the eyes because that's where it's concentrating coming into so that's where we start to see the, the likes of overexposure to blue light which is headaches migraines eye strain are symptoms but ultimately it's causing damage into the retina so you're over long term is where you start to see problems like macular degeneration starting to happen wow so is the fact that i wear my computer glasses which I have to get from you guys, uh, helping me still have 2020 vision at 47. Well, that's, is that actually helping? Well, that's where now we're starting to see the research starting to emerge now, right? Because it's it's something that they couldn't really they could hypothesize about in mm, the earlier stage. I can imagine because it's, because it's a a five to ten year cycle of overexposure that's starting to cause that damage, and now there is research absolutely showing that that overexposure over the long term. Um, is causing damage to your eyes, causing cataracts, macular degeneration, harming your eyesight. Um, 
the eye strain, the headaches, the migraines are kind of just like symptoms, right? It's it's the warning signs and that people just start to ignore. So like if you're getting headaches and migraines and eye strain during the day, well, that's just, it's your body telling you, hey, like this is not natural and I'm getting, it is causing damage. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I found lately I've been saying to my son, who's now a teenager and, uh, and, all the things that come with teenage life, you know, quite slow to get going in the morning and uh, not really wanting to do much, especially on weekends. I now say you could do whatever you want and chill out this morning if you don't have any plans or Saturday sport or whatever else is going on. But you have to do glass of water, pinch of salt, squeeze a lemon balcony for at least 15 minutes. You are out there or you're walking the dog, taking him for a wee. Uh, but you are outside. After that, whatever you want, knock your socks off. But it, you have to get that natural outside light first thing. Um, and I, I remember picking that up actually from um, Huberman, uh, Dr. Huberman, uh, in terms of really the penny dropping about how physiologically important that natural blue light exposure is to the serotonin dopamine receptors Uh um, and uh, and it makes perfect sense that we then want to kind of start thinking about um, balanced light. So you mentioned orange, yellow, and red there. There's green as well. Can we talk about all of them just quickly and, and go through each of them? Yeah, sure. So um, so blue and green are next to each other. They're down the down the lower end of the spectrum. So you measure light as um measured in wavelengths, is wavelengths measured in nanometers, sorry. So blue is ranging from 400 to 500, and then green is from 500 to 570. Now, those two wavelengths are heavily activated in um, retinal cells, um, not visual retinal cells, but ones that are just designed to respond to those frequencies of light, which are called um, melanopsin receptors. So they, they live in the inner, inner retina, and they get activated under those particular frequencies of light. So what that does is essentially that kind of light hits your eyes, activates those receptors. It sends a signal into the brain, essentially around if those if those frequencies are around, that means it's the daytime because those don't exist after dark in nature. So what that does is it keeps that tells instructs the central clock or your circadian rhythm in your brain to release cortisol to keep you awake because it understands that. So exposure to those frequencies outside of the normal daytime hours continue continues that cycle the, the brain is doing exactly what it's designed to do taking those frequencies of light that it understands are from the sun because that's the only natural source we get from them so it will then elevate your cortisol and if you're if you have elevated cortisol it does um it will not allow your melatonin to um become higher in the body so they they're two hormones that oppose each other so that will then suppress your melatonin which is known as a sleep hormone it's much more than that but that's one of the most common things it's known for um so that kind of completely messes up your circadian rhythm of your day and night cycle your brain starts to think it's solar noon like right through until till night because what happens when the sun sets everyone turns on their lights in their home they We'll look at a device or watch a device or um yeah, so that whole that whole system, that whole hormonal system that's been um designed or we've been designed or it's evolved over, you know, um thousands and thousands of years of living under the sun 
has suddenly become heavily confused by essentially since the advent of electricity. So we're in it, but then it's been really ramped up in the last 10 years since we've had the advent of a lot of digital devices. So we evolution has not caught up to the environment <laughs> we now live in. It's a mind blowing change in terms of the biology that we are born and uh, live with compared to just 10, 15 years ago. It's it's mind boggling how anyone thought, oh yeah, this will be just great. <laughs> We'll be fine. Um, it's so handy. It's so fun. It's such a great way to connect. And it is all those things. Uh, but the problem is we're ignoring those biological uh, signals that are disturbed by it. And so it's important to then learn how to live with it and hack it, really. We have to because I, I don't know anyone who's prepared to give up their phone anytime soon. Uh, and so we actually have to learn to live with it in a safer way. Absolutely. And I think even in today's world, it's it's unavoidable. Like even if you just said, oh, I'm not going to use my phone. or I'm not, It's like you've got street headlights, you've got car headlights, mm. you've got all the lights in your home. It's like it's one of those things that it's just here and you need and it's like you can't. The only way you could avoid it truly is if you went out into the middle of nowhere and had no electricity and lived completely off grid. But it's like and it's what I like to say is like, well, it's about living like te technology does great things so it's about using it and interfacing with it in a way that doesn't have such detrimental impacts on our health and biology mm -hmm. which is po which is possible but yeah it <laughs> um, absolutely is okay so let's talk yellow orange and red now yeah so they start moving into the um the longer wavelengths of light so um they aren't the melanopsin receptors in our eyes aren't activated by those frequencies of light so um if you think about um the you know our ancestors and what type of light they were exposed to at night well that's fire and what color is fire well it's yellow orange and red so those frequencies of light don't impact us at night in terms of messing up her circadian rhythm or impacting our ability to um, lower our cortisol and start to um, increase our melatonin levels so those are the kind of more biologically appropriate types of light to be exposed to in the evening. Mm, and for the thousands and thousands of years that we've had fire, we've probably had time to adapt to those as well, right, biologically. And, I mean, I you think about sitting around a campfire or, um, uh, you know, maybe you're doing a late-night yoga class and there's candles. It is so relaxing. So not all light is bad. Mm. Mm. and it's it's quite actually quite interesting it, it's not even we just have to go back a hundred years when they invented the incandescent light bulb which ultimately wasn't wasn't a bad light source it was it wasn't perfect but it predominantly had um infrared light plus red orange and yellow and it had very very low amounts of blue and green and so we used the incandescent bulb right up to like 15 years ago and so that's when it and it did have low amounts of blue, so it still wasn't optimal for the evening, but it was having very little impact. Um, but now it's near impossible to buy those light sources. I think in 2023, they've just started to um, roll out complete ban in the US of all incandescent, importation of all incandescent lighting. And it's funny you mentioned incandescent light bulbs because when you talk to building biologists, they often say if you can track down incandescent light bulbs, 
they're the best and they talk about them being the best from not necessarily the light spectrum, which you've talked about and highlighted, which is interesting, but actually from the fact that they were mercury free, which many of the new eco light bulbs, LED light bulbs contain mercury, which if you look at the safety data sheet, if you drop one on the carpet, let's say you have, you're recommended to cut out a square of carpet and, and throw it out wearing gloves and mask. I mean, who even knows to do that or that they're dangerous because they kind of did a switcheroo in the marketplace without any of us really realizing it, right? Yeah, absolutely, they did. And um, and the name of was quite interesting because they do kind of talk about it a bit, which is oh, they're more energy efficient. It's more sustainable. We've got a you know green for the planet, and it's interesting because I, I have this discussion a lot. It's like yeah, I get it, I get it. It's because the the incandescent light source ultimately is an energy inefficient light source and it needs to be replaced on quite a regular cycle they don't last yeah. very long so we've we've done the shift and it's like cool they're um consuming less power they're lasting way longer so we've, we're looking after the planet, but we're not looking after the people that are living on the planet. Yes. So there's and a little bit is, of a disconnect there. <laughs> there is a disconnect, kind of like the energy efficient buildings now being humidity mold traps um, because they're so airtight and energy efficient that then you end up with human everyday activities causing really high humidity. Uh, then you've got the light bulb situation with the... so. The eco, the the average eco modern light, let's actually unpack it. What is it made of? And are you saying that most of them are actually purely blue and green light? Yeah, so there's there's kind of two main um, modern light sources left. So we've got the um, the fluorescent eco bulb sort of thing, which are those squiggly ones, which have, have got high levels of mercury in them, as you as you mentioned. Then you've got like a, a what's those are kind of starting to be phased out, but you still see them at a lot of places into the LED light source. Both of them are considered energy efficient. Both of them are considered long life. Um, now the 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 LED ones uh, don't really have that harmful mercury in them um, because I think the other ones are essentially they're, they're a gas tube which has the mercury in them. These are just uh, more of like a, a chipboard inside the bulb. and But both of those light sources, uh, there's well, there's three main things we talk about that are wrong with, with the modern light source. So you've got the, the spectral output of them, which has significantly got um, very, very high amounts of very narrow bandwidth of blue light. So we talk about the 455 nanometer spike of blue light. So that's, that's, so blue light ranges from 400 to 500, but it doesn't really have any, past 455 and it has very little around the 4 to 430 mark it's this very short narrow bandwidth of blue light that is that just spikes to unnatural levels and we'll talk about why what you need to look for to actually mitigate that but that's that's problem number one problem number two is the light sources the modern light sources have what's called flicker in them and so um it's generally not visible to our eyes but what's hap actually happening with the light sources it's turning off and on about 120 times a second. And the reason wow. it's doing... Is that why you can't take a picture of your computer screen? Well, that's what you're seeing, right? When mm. you get your phone out and you can see like a light source doing the crazy flickering in the background, is it's your eyes, the, the frames per second the camera can pick up is more than the eyes can pick up. So that's mm. why the camera will pick it up. 
now you're you don't visually see well if you do visually see it that's really bad and there certainly are circumstances where you where there is like light sources like that and it's just it's mind-blowing that people can be in a room when they're like that but um most led and the eco bulbs will have flicker in them the reason they have it is so all the power grids that um we have around the world on the mains power is um, ac current or alternating current and what that is is the the power is pulsing down the line the reason it's pulsing is because it's got to get from the substation to your house and it's it, to get that sort of distance and it, that's what they need to do so uh, i think it's 50 or 60 hertz in, in australia i think it's 60 in the us as well so that means the frequency that it's being pulsed down the line is 60 hertz so when it comes into the house now an led light source the diodes when they have power it's on when they don't have power it's off so it's very very much on or off now an incandescent light that has a filament that heats up well that filament gets up to temperature hot and it's producing light now when it doesn't receive electricity that doesn't instantly turn off that filament needs to cool down and it will, it will it will take a number of seconds for it to cool down so something pulsing at 120 times a second doesn't really affect it that much but what happens with the what, what i call like a digital light source or your led light sources it will the instant it doesn't have power, it turns off instantly. And it's an easy way to look as if you go to an older style light and you turn it off at the wall, the switch, it will continue to produce light for a number of seconds. If you turn off an LED light source, it's instant. It turns off instantly. So what that means is you've got this pulsing current coming coming in. The, the light source is turning off and on very quickly. You can't see it, but your your brain is working overtime to to flatten that image. So you so what you're receiving or you, what you're seeing is uh, a, a image that isn't turning on and off essentially it's taking, taking in the photons of light and essentially allowing you to see a single image so what that means is that your brain is working overtime constantly so low level constant exposure <laughs> exposure any wonder people are getting headaches my gosh yeah so the symptoms are very similar to overexposure to blue light headaches mm. migraines eye strain feeling of like just being tired but wired a bit of anxiety can crick in it, it cranks up your cortisol as well so you combine that you just that by itself is enough right but you combine that for the blue light it's like making it even worse um and then the third issue um which is um emfs so that's becoming a really big problem in lighting as well so you've got um smart lighting so anything that's smart obviously has um rf radiation or emissions from it so Smart light bulbs are very common, so they will have a transmitter in every light bulb, so you can change the color or control it remotely. So if you put 40 of them in your home, it's like having 40 Wi-Fi routers in your house, which would not recommend. Um, but beyond that, it's, there's also other EMFs that you've got to be concerned about in an electrical light bulb. It's the magnetic fields, the electric fields, and dirty electricity. So those are three other EMFs that are less commonly known, but um, are just as harmful and poorly made poorly designed light bulbs will um, produce really high fields um, far further than they should and even just plugging in a single led bulb will actually completely um, increase the dirty electricity through the whole circuit in the home we've done tests before where you can just plug one in and it just you know then you're trying to mitigate if, if you if you're having like a building biologist coming in and he's doing the testing they'll have to use a whole bunch of different filters on the within the house to try and mitigate those effects and so 
again, those three things in combination are just really things that are not doing really any favor for your health. And um, though, and it's the thing is it's constant exposure because most of the time there's lighting on during the day constantly. And then most of us don't live in the dark. So it stays on constantly at night. Mm. And I'd imagine when we step away, like, you know, I put my laptop lid down and I go off and do something in natural light or with my um, uh, no blue light light bulbs on in the evening, my body at a at a cellular level is probably going, hold on, where'd the sun just go? Like, <laughs> or, you know, wait, wait, like I was, li- it was literally just light and I've got all this cortisol for us to use, but like, what do you want me to do with it? Because all of a sudden... There's no blue light. Is that what's happening? And that's part of the the biological confusion and mayhem that the modern world's right. causing us. Yeah, well, the brain is just completely scrambled because it's going mm. from this this environment to that environment and back. So um, the way it's supposed to work is the frequencies of light during the day constantly are changing. And so we're designed to essentially take in those different frequencies. So, if, you know, blue light changes in different levels during the day. And it's, it's like it's it's syncing your internal clock with the external clock. So you're in sync with the environment and we're just completely, so the artificial light exposure completely just, just throws, scrambles the brain into confusion, doesn't understand what time of the day it is anymore. So, and the body, <laughs> the body and system works off habits and cycles. And, if you mm. can, and, and you're just disrupting that cycle on a daily basis constantly. It's, I mean, it's a hectically huge problem as we've now talked about it for half an hour and I'd say people are suitably terrified and thinking, okay, well, like how on earth? Uh, and by no means is this like a big product sell um, because there are actually more things you can do than glasses and red light panels and all the good things that you guys have. There's actually quite a few interesting hacks, but I want to ask you about one uh, that a lot of people, you know, you've mentioned like syncing with the day and the rhythm of um, natural light. And a lot of people install like apps or buy special like cover screens for their phones um, that supposedly uh, uh, block the blue light. Are, are that Do they work? Yeah, the apps is an interesting one. Um... I, I'm interested in it because you've now explained in such depth the um shutter speed we're basically working with a flicker light um it can't mitigate that surely uh we can talk about one app that helps with that but okay, cool. so yes please so so app there's a lot of apps now even it's it's part of most operating systems there's a night mode or a night apple night shift microsoft have got one so all of those apps most of them will warm the screen slightly they will they will lower the blue light down. I like to say like, I have an iPhone, so I call like night shift mode. I call it day shift mode. It's like perfect for daytime, bringing the levels down to more natural levels, but not completely eliminating it. At nighttime, it's 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 no good pretty much, most of okay. them. Okay, so um, we should all be changing our devices to the night shift mode that they provide during the day? Yeah. Your phone should be a warm, just a warm, warm warmer color. It shouldn't be a bright white light yeah. during the day so we've got like a spectrometer so we've we've changed we've tested both versions and it it does a good job of lowering it down to what i would be happy to look at a screen with mm-hmm. that on during the daytime and to clarify this is different to just putting the dimness on the bright scale correct correct yeah the dim the bright scale won't the dimness won't alter the spectral output that's coming off the screen it will lower the intensity but 
um, which has an impact. But the main the main signaling pathway is the actual uh, frequencies of light itself. So, um, but yeah, from from other apps sort of thing, there is there is a couple of apps that are really good. Um, one of them is free. It's called Flux or F dot Lux. Um, oh, phew, I've got that one. I thought you yeah. were going to tell me it was awful, so that's good. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's not perfect because yeah. you're trying to you're trying to solve a hardware problem with a piece of software. We've actually got a blog about this on our website because I know. Yeah, I've question. seen that. I thought, oh, I should get around to reading that. So yeah. I'll pop it in the show notes. Yep. Um, so the issue you've got is the hardware has got LED, it's backlit by LEDs, and then you're using a piece of software to come over the top of that backlit LED and just alter the color temperature. So the, the, there's a thing called LED backlight bleed. So mm-hmm. a way to understand that is if you think about a screen, right, there's nothing on and it's black, but it's yeah. on. You can kind of see that it's on still. So if yes, you like pull the plug, good explanation. It, it's kind of got like a bit of a whiteness to behind the screen. You pull it out, then it goes off fully. Well, that's still a low level of the backlit light that's coming through. So that's still happening when you're using a piece of software to just alter the color temperature. So it does a really good job. I'm not saying that you shouldn't use it in, but I just use it with caution. So I use it heavily during the daytime. So that's why I'm not wearing glasses right now because I've got a piece of software on my screen that brings all the levels down enough. But at nighttime, I don't trust it because there's a couple of issues. A, I don't, most people don't have a $4,000 spectrometer to to measure their to measure their screen to make sure they've got the app turned enough into the into the night mode, and then there's the backlit problem. Um, there is another piece of software. This one isn't free, but it's like five dollars or ten dollars, and it's called Iris Tech. So it's very similar to Flux, but it's just a bit um, more advanced. So the guy that created it is like just a like um, he's a physics like, nutter. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much, mm-hmm. and he's looked at the hardware problem as well with Flickr and and because the issue with Flickr as well is when you start to dim a light source or use dimmers or anything, it starts to increase the Flickr or it starts to slow the Flickr down and make it more prominent. So that's why um, you'll find none of our lighting that we sell is dimmable at all. And then people keep asking like, is it dimmable? And it's like, well, it can't be Flickr free and, it, and dimmable at the same time. So the same issue with some of these apps, they'll dim the screen as well. And then that will increase the flicker. So he's cr- created the ability for you to dim the screen, but not increase the flicker. So that's why it's a slightly does the same like thing in terms of overall, but it's a slightly improved app for like ten bucks. So either or brilliant. Either and good, what's it called again? Um, Iris Tech. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks for that. Great tip. And so you've said at night you don't trust any of them, um, because you've got your um your swanky spectrometer and it, it just doesn't measure up. So without thinking we have to buy like a whole bunch of stuff, if there were two things at night that you would say do an experiment and see how your sleep improves, how your ability to go to sleep and relax at night improves, uh, because I think that's something a lot of people struggle with still, uh, especially since the advent of social media where we're not just even watching the TV two or three metres away now. We've usually got then a device in our hands as well. I'm looking at all of you and myself here, by the way, uh, and, uh, you know, just checking, like, you know, who's posted what on Instagram or quickly replying to someone like me if it's your business and you just want to get a few replies done in an ad break or a scary bit. I'm just thinking of my own real-life um, habits uh, what are the couple of things that you would say start here and feel the difference? 
Yeah. Um, there's another cool thing which I'll add into this as well is another blog. Um, how to turn your iPhone screen red, which is a really cool hack to start Ooh, with. So okay. it's it's not a widely known like setting, but there's a way to do it, and we've got a blog on it, and you can like triple click the home screen button, and it will just make your whole phone go red. So like it's like perfect for nighttime, and we've, I've tested with a spectrometer, and it's pretty. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good um, because that's a common thing. People will always at some point grab the phone whether it's like just checking the time at night or anything so that's one way to to help the phone and it's free I, there's probably a way to do it for android i'm not sure but like for iphone there's a blog on that and it's like will take you like two minutes to set up and then it's just a, and then you can just turn it on and off so that's one one cool thing but yeah like in terms of like what would be my top recommendations like yeah you don't have to like it's you know some people will want to go all out and they're like changing all the lights in their home and they're doing all these things i'm like it's actually relatively simple to just have like and I, like i don't even have every light in my home change and i could but i don't it's just i i just have one lamp that runs at night mm, and lights that's up what, the whole that's room. what we've got and then our bedside tables yeah yeah so like if it was like one thing is well first of all the biggest exposure we get in our own homes is all our lighting it's the screens and the tv and the devices are certainly a problem but the most biggest exposure you think of when I drive past homes at night, they're lit up like Christmas trees. There's like 40 lights on. It's just every light's on in the home. And that's everyone in that household's been affected by it, whether they're on a device or not. So the, the easiest win is turn them all off at night and have a lamp or some sort of light source on that it's not emitting any blue light. Um, and it doesn't have the flicker as well and doesn't have the MF. So the three things that are going to induce stress in the body, you want to reduce that down. And then it would be looking to do some sort of activity in the evening that isn't using a device as well. So if you can kind of do that twofold where you've got no blue light in the environment, a low level of light, you don't have to change every light in your home, especially if you just want to try it out and see how it works, have one light and then do an activity like reading or just something before bed that isn't stimulating to the brain as well. So if you combine those two things together, people will find themselves getting very tired very early in the evening. Yeah, um, because... it it made a huge difference. I always used to think I was a night owl uh, and my brain would light up. And look, you know, I, I, I've since found out I have uh, combined type ADHD, which has explained my entire life basically. But what I found interesting about that is if you think about um, the uh, the issues of the ADHD brain having a million things going on at night, it has been so helpful for me to have blue light. It was an incredible, to have blue light gone in the evenings in our immediate surrounds. It's been incredible. I go to bed at like somewhere between 10.30 and 11.30 now, and most people out there would still say that's really late. But for me, it is honestly huge because I used to not be able to go to sleep between before 12.31 until very, very recently, literally when we we switched out um, and I'll put, because I always rave about this product, so I'll put it in the show notes, the Sweet Dreams light bulbs um, that you guys range because uh, they're blocking all blue light uh, and it, it's it's incredible. And the one thing that I was thinking would be really cool to do next would be to put that kind of lighting in my bathroom because what do we do when we're all sleepy and tired? Then we go into the bathroom with a bright light and brush our teeth. And I was just thinking, no, I've got to stop doing that. That's my next project. 
Yeah, well, that's why there's there's all these little places that we use light, right, mm. and it affects us. So even things like just getting up to go to the toilet in the night, like so, like emotion light that just turns on and it's red. Like those, these are simple little things that alter the uh, the way we interact with light and and just making it more. I like to say like making it a way that it's not like an effort, right? Like, and that's why the lighting is like like changing a light bulb is a really good first step because getting compliance to wear glasses is a little bit more tricky for some people. Yeah. I was going to say, it's it's not always easy. And then not everyone wants to wear the orangey red ones and have their teenagers and partners make fun of them. Uh, So there's that challenge as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's like where we see is like, um, like not everyone in the family might be on board with it. But then if if the lighting's changed, it's like, it's almost like by default, everyone in the household benefits. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And so uh, I I wanted to ask about pets as well, because I'd imagine that this would be helpful for our, our fur babies too, right? Yeah. Well, every, everyone is affected. Any living thing is Mm. affected from light, from plants to insects to, to everyone. Have you ever seen like, even just like, a street light outside with like how the bugs are going like nuts yeah. around it, right? That's not normal either. They're just severely stimulated through it. So oh see, my it, gosh. What humans have done to the natural world. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, I, I feel a little bit more confident in how we can actually hack it. Can I ask you, I'm going to ask you one final question. What is your setup like what do you do and let's focus on the evenings because that's the time people find the trickiest Uh, and we've talked a bit about those daylight strategies already what's your setup at home yeah right so um my setup is so we've got um so because we've got light bulbs that have the ability to change from day to night in it so we talked about earlier how sunlight is full spectrum light so during the daytime i've got lighting on that's full spectrum so i have to work indoors a lot on screens a lot now just the nature of what I'm I'm working indoors a lot on a screen a lot to help people not <laughs> be affected by them as much but <laughs> the irony yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and um so I'm making sure I'm using that type of light source a lot during the daytime um because it's just it's trying to help supplement my inability to get outside as much as I sh- should um, but then in our main living areas, we've got all that lighting that gets switched over into a into a warmer light in the evening or in the early, or sorry, late afternoon. So we switched to like a lower blue mode, um, but not not the full on amber yet. Um, and that's really good just in the in the early evening to use um, when we're in the kitchen and and preparing dinner in the early evening and stuff. But then once the sun's fully set, we'll switch those lights to a completely no blue amber mode and that's still in our main overhead lighting so we've got all recessed down lighting in our home that's all changed over in those areas and then once we've had dinner and we've cleaned up all those lights get switched off everything gets switched off a lamp gets switched on uh, we might have two lamps but that, that's all we use in our main living area um, and then once we are ready to go to bed um, in our bedroom we use red lights so the main the main difference between the amber and the red is the red will strip out all the green spectrum as well and so the reason for that is there was a piece of research done in 2001 
and it looked at every spectrum of light and how much it would suppress melatonin by. So what they found was a, it kind of created a big bell curve. And the peak of the bell curve was at 464 nanometers, which is about just over halfway through the blue light spectrum. So that's where it was having the peak suppression. Started just at 400 right at the start of the blue. But what they found is at the tail end of the bell curve went all the way into about three quarters of the green light spectrum. So much less, so it's having a less impact, but it's having an impact. So, so I like to kind of stage it like you're just staging yourself down, stripping out more of those frequencies of light that are going to have an impact or suppress your melatonin. So by the time I'm by the time I'm in my bedroom, there's absolutely no blue and no green light. So it's red lighting only from that point. And then I like using things like a book light to read if I want to read before bed. So um, if a partner wants to go to sleep, but I want to stay up, it's not disturbing them. And then the other massive game changer is motion lights. So pretty much my house is set up with pathways of motion lights wherever I, <laughs> wherever I need to walk at night. So the hallway will just illuminate itself as I walk past and red lighting. The bathroom is set up with red lighting as well. Um, so like I said, we don't actually have every single light kitted out because the say the laundry and the hallway and the spare bedroom and that random light in the entryway, I just haven't bothered doing because they pretty much they don't, don't get used. Yeah. Uh, no. yeah. Um, so it's just every main living areas and bedrooms is where we've really focused on. I'd probably add to that routine, though, I didn't say is I do put on my glasses at night. I'm very um, religious with that because because it's kind of twofold you do need both to work in sync with each other because i probably will look at a screen at night i will check an email i will maybe watch a bit of tv the one that everyone misses is i will open the fridge and the fridge mm. has a bright white led light in it and just blast you when you open i remember it talking to alex fergus about this and often we have to reach in for like say the probiotic that we should take at bedtime or is you know um hopefully not for snacking because we all know that that's not so good to do <laughs> at night but um you, you can end up needing to go in there or you know you're preparing the lunch boxes or whatever uh it's definitely one that gets overlooked i agree so i think alex removed the light bulb from his fridge mm -hmm. the problem is with a modern fridge you can't remove the light bulb because it's just no. an led light that she can try and get something to block it over but yeah i've just I've just become accustomed to the glasses come on at night and then you kind of know that no matter what light source comes at you, you've kind of got that that, that protection across the eyes, which is really the main signaling pathway in yeah, the brain. Makes sense. And and so how quickly did you notice a difference when you started changing your lights over? Was it immediate or did the hormones take a little bit of time to balance i'd imagine could be somewhere in between those two things right yeah well i i battled with migraines and insomnia for about nine months mm. so um severe sleep deprivation um obviously has significant hormonal dis dysregulation which takes a quite a while to unravel itself yeah yeah um, but within within like three to four days is when you will start to notice circadian rhythm changes. Um, it's very quick to to sync up with light. So you certainly will notice like improvements there. And then like so sleep and, and um, energy during the day and all that should change with 
within a couple of weeks, right? And then hormones start to get back into that rhythm and regulation over months. But um, yeah, for most people, it's 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 quite interesting when we we listen to feedback. Is some people work can literally be like night and day difference from like day one. They're like, I've had severe insomnia for like eight years, and I put on these glasses and I sleep for eight hours first time. And like eight wow, years. Wow, that must be pretty amazing to receive that. Yeah, but the, like that's not obviously the, the normal. But then for most people, like it's like give it a couple of weeks, and then they're just like, oh wow, everything's just slowly improving, right? As the body just becomes more adapted to the natural like cycles it should be exposed to. Mm, almost like jet lag. It just you know it mm. takes you a little while to sync up to the the new environment. Mm. And speaking of jet lag, actually, that's made me then think about travel. How many things do you unplug from a hotel room when you check in? <laughs> well, <laughs> see, I, I, I used to travel with light bulbs. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> like you're that pack, guy. But yep. I don't now. I, I travel with because we've got portable lamps right now and mm. portable fog lights. But I used to literally go in and like unlock, screw every light bulb and change that and then bring a um, black tape, tape up mm-hmm. every blinking light tape up the gaps in the curtains <laughs> so and I still so, do that yeah okay so you still do that okay yep. get it. and then yep. do you guys sleep with a block out um curtain as well in your room we do so yeah. so that's an so the, the interesting thing is right if you do all this work at night and do all everything perfect you block all the light at night and you have the light bulbs and the glasses and everything and do that all in the evening and then you go to bed and then you have all this light pollution coming into your room you're kind of you're kind of undoing it all a bit. Like it's 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 low level blue light exposure. It's low level light exposure whilst you're trying to sleep will severely lower your your um deep and REM sleep. So you either need to have a pitch black room with blackout blinds, or you need a blackout sleep mask. So you can kind of continue to get those benefits that you did all that stuff in the evening. So you want to make sure that during the night you want the carryover. Yeah, and it's because the modern world, right? There's street headlights, there's neighbors' lights, mm. there's, there's light, there's like light pollution. If you're in a residential area and you're not right out in the country, there's going to be low level light. So it's quite, yeah, quite important. Yeah, it's something we've learned about through one of my son's friends, who's an absolute fiend for astronomy, and he's got his big telescope. And so whenever he's come over, he's telling us about the new projects and the new things he's looking for in the sky, and and so he. And his family indulge him and his interest in finding spots that have super low light pollution to make the most of his uh, exciting new telescope. And it's it's interesting. You just don't even really think about it so much until you either need to from a health perspective or a friend has a random hobby that's then started educating you on it. But it's it's huge. And I live here in Potts Point, which is a very dense in a city, Sydney suburb, which I love for a ton of reasons. Um, but yeah, we definitely need the the blue the the curtain um, situation in the bedrooms, so that, like you say, you don't do all that good work in the evenings to make your home uh, free of blue light, and then undo it all by sleeping in light pollution. Mm, yeah. So yeah, you've you kind of kind of do yeah, you've got to do well. It's actually threefold. You've got to do that before bed that at bedtime and then actually what we haven't discussed is is daytime and actually exposure to the natural light during the daytime um there's actually a lot of it's actually quite new research that was showing um near infrared light will increase your serotonin 
during the daytime. So when we talk about melatonin, like coming increasing at night, it's not your body actually isn't producing melatonin at night. It's converting it or it's going through a, a biological process of um, stepping serotonin into melatonin. So you actually need adequate light exposure during the day to actually have an impact on what you're doing at night. It's quite a common thing we see is people will do everything perfect at nighttime. They'll block all the blue light. They'll do all these things. Mm. And they're like, oh, it doesn't work. It's like not working for me. Yeah, and yeah. You break it down and understand what they're doing during the day. They're just not getting adequate light exposure during the day. Therefore, they have suboptimal serotonin levels. Therefore, they actually have nothing like they have no raw of the raw building blocks to make melatonin. So it doesn't really matter that they're mitigating their light exposure at night. So it's always kind of it's it's doing everything right and it compounds together to get the result. And if you kind of break away one of those things, then it doesn't work as well as it should. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that was a very educational hour of power, Daniel. Thank you for giving us both a physics lesson and a life lesson <laughs> in how we can sync our natural world with this fantastic, exciting, convenient, connected, modern world and somehow find that happy medium where we're not uh, damaging our health as a result of enjoying some of those things. Uh, I'm all about like the, the we're always being told in health and wellness how everything's killing us and we've got to be scared of everything. And I just think, well, that's not really great for our mental health and stress, which is probably going to kill us faster than all the other <laughs> stuff. So um, thank you for making it so positive and practical. I really appreciate it. And I, I loved this chat. Great to have you on. Thanks, Alex. Cheers. And that is today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days. If this particular topic was helpful to you, head over to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation, you can hit the courses tab on lowtoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials. Go and head over to at lowtoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request, if you have time to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life.